You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Just a minute, we're going to have uh, those who are first responders, and I would include in that those who are in uniform or not, as well as those who maybe served at one point, but you're retired uh, from that, at least in an active sense. We'd ask you to stand in just a moment. Before we do that, we have a gift for you today. Um, the ammo can you're going to get today is a gift from our church, and uh, in it is some goodies, some snacks to get you through whatever you got coming up this week, uh, maybe. But to also in there some uh, a card. One of the key things we put in there is from our kids, uh, and they just say thank you and with their hand, their scrawl. Hopefully you can make that out today. But the, one of the things we're trying to do as a church is affirm you in a day when that is not always done. And uh, you guys would know that more than I, the specifics of that. We still think what you do is heroic. We think it's valuable. And even our kids, something to aspire to. And uh, we just want to affirm that today as a church. We appreciate all that you do. And so if you serve as a first responder in any capacity, if you would stand for a moment, we'd like to recognize you. If you'd stay standing until you receive an ammo can, would you stand? I know you love when I do this to you, but if you stand for a moment, let's give them a hand today. And if you remain standing, uh, our young people will get a gift to you today. And as soon as you receive a gift there, you can be seated. A couple more over here, guys. We appreciate so much you being with us today, and that we're honored that you're a part uh, of our service, and uh, look forward to affirming that in the balance of our service this morning. Um, it is our joy today to have with us. Last year, we had uh, Judge Rickett with us, and God used him. I think it's good to have somebody from the community that maybe isn't a member of North Life Baptist Church, but works closely with uh, these uh, dear folks, affirm uh, their significance and value and not doing so just from a, um, a surface point of view, but from a biblical standpoint. It's our joy to have with us today Wayne County Prosecutor Dan Lutz, and uh, Mr. Lutz has served as a Wayne County uh, Chief Criminal and Civil Representative for a number of years here in our county, several other capacities, uh, and, uh, but we're glad that he's here today with his wife. And uh, I've asked him, he and I just met for the first time face-to-face, -face. I think maybe we met once before somewhere, he probably doesn't remember, I think, that we have. But uh, I, I've asked him to come today. Uh, Brother Stoffer knows him better than I. He's also a believer in Jesus Christ and uh, sees the value of uh, what we're doing uh, as a church and what we're doing in our communities. So I've asked him to come on behalf of our community and our church and just his own experience uh, to speak a few words of encouragement to our first responders today. So if you would, Mr. Lutz, come, and thank you for being here today. Let's give him a hand as he comes this morning. Thank you. Good morning. You know, as I was coming in, Kurt kind of teased me because he goes, ooh, you even brought your notebook. And I, I explained to him that uh, at our church, Orville Christian Church, we used to do communion meditations and rotate, you know, taking turns doing that. And I had done it for quite a while, and I thought, well, I know this. I don't need my notes. And God humbled me. <laughs> I got up there, my mind went blank, which seemed like an eternity, but it probably was only a few seconds. But I learned from there and out, I always bring my notes with me. So I am indeed privileged to be here this morning to honor our first responders, which of course includes our law enforcement 
our firefighters and our EMS personnel. Uh, but being a prosecutor, it's probably no surprise that I have a lot more contact and more in common with law enforcement uh, than I do with our other first responders. After all, while prosecutors are, we're clearly not first responders, we are considered law enforcement officers under, the, under Ohio law. Therefore, while my firefighter and EMS and paramedic friends undoubtedly deserve our thanks and our gratitude for the great work they do, I'll ask them to forgive me if my comments this morning are directed towards my law enforcement friends. But my law enforcement emphasis this morning is not simply because of my greater connection to the law enforcement community. As has already been mentioned, um, I believe our law enforcement officers, more than perhaps any other time in our nation's history, deserve our gratitude and our encouragement. Last month, I was asked to speak uh, to honor military veterans at the Wayne County Fair. And I commented on how important it is that as a nation we continue, continuously honor those who have sacrificed to serve our country because if we fail to honor those who have sacrificed to serve it, fewer and fewer of our citizens may answer the call to voluntarily serve our nation in the future. And I commented at that time to that audience that if we want a hint of what that failure might look like, consider how the current anti-law enforcement climate in this country has resulted in law enforcement agencies struggling to find uh, competent applicants. And there's departments across this country who are losing record numbers of officers to early retirement or they're just simply walking out the door to do something else because they've had enough. So there's no question that many of our brave men and women serving in law enforcement are understandably struggling. You know, just right next door uh, to this church behind me here is the National Alliance for Mental Illness, or NAMI. Um, and this office here happens to serve both Wayne and Holmes counties, and they, they facilitate and host a law enforcement support group. And it's with good reason. I recently read an article from 2019 that cited a study that found that police are at the highest risk of suicide or suicide of any profession. And I don't think it's gotten better. You in the last few years? <laughs> I don't. So yes, it's obviously a very difficult time to be in law enforcement. We hear the cries, defund the police, and all cops are racist. And you know, it's any wonder that so many that are employed in law enforcement are demoralized and that there's little interest out there to currently serve in this honorable vocation. You notice I used the word vocation rather than profession. The word vocation derives from the Latin vocare, which means to call and originally meant a divine call to God's service or a function or station in life to which one is called by God. So I chose that word vocation on purpose to describe what you do because your work in law enforcement is literally commissioned by God. And I'll prove it to you by reading a couple verses from chapter 13 of the book of Romans. You want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For the person in authority is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing, for he is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. 
In other words, to quote Dan Aykroyd from that classic 1980 film, The Blues Brothers, we're on a mission from God. Okay, for you young folks who have no idea about that movie <laughs> reference, I'm envious. <laughs> but seriously, here's the thing we have to realize. Uh, you're doing the Lord's work. And whenever anyone is in God's service, there's always going to be spiritual opposition. Always is. And if you're not careful, if you don't properly defend against the inevitable spiritual attacks, those attacks will take you down and even possibly out of doing what God has called you to do. How might that occur? Well, as I've talked about, it may be through blatant verbal attacks through misguided folks and through the complicit media. However, even more dangerous are the more subtle attacks that can come. Now, what might those be? How about the temptation to become cynical, distrustful, or even developing an outright dislike of people? Those of you who have been working in law enforcement for a while know exactly what I'm talking about. As law enforcement officers, you tend to become jaded about the human race, often distrusting anyone other than those serving with you in the trenches. You have a tendency to avoid non-law enforcement friends. You tend to only socialize with your law enforcement buddies and anyone outside of your law enforcement circles you view with suspicion. The temptation is understandable. After all, you daily deal with what might, many might consider the quote-unquote dregs of society. You experience human beings at their worst. And after years of doing so, it can take its toll and often does lead to this circle the wagons isolation I'm talking about. While it may be understandable, this us versus them worldview will ultimately lead to discouragement, dissatisfaction, disillusionment, and if something doesn't change, spiritual burnout and professional burnout. So what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, I, I would submit to you it's not a what, but a who. Jesus also spent a lot of time with those considered to be the dregs of society, and he intentionally did so. In fact, he purposely associated with them because, in his own words, he did not come for the righteous but for sinners, not for the healthy but the sick. And I thank God Jesus came for this sinner. I did not become new creation in Christ until I was 29 years old. But I can tell you that, like many others who were raised Christian, because of that upbringing, I mistakenly believed I was a Christian, even when I really was not. Interestingly, I even remember having a knockdown, drag-out argument with my freshman college roommate, Mick Gallagher, after he told me he was an atheist. I wasn't saved, but his lack of belief in God downright offended me. Interestingly, I, even re I, I, I wasn't a follower of Christ, so why would I be offended? After all, even though I didn't know it at the time, I was just as lost as Nick was. You see, although I didn't understand it then, I later realized that I was offended because Nick's atheism felt like an attack not upon my non-existent faith, but upon my family heritage. In fact, it would not be till, until 10 years later that God allowed me to be profoundly hurt so that Jesus could profoundly heal me. In other words, due to my stubborn pride, 
I had to be broken before Jesus could make me whole. And you know, although I'm, I've certainly got a long way to go as I continue to grow in Christ, one of the most striking transformations that the Holy Spirit worked in me was to give me a genuine love for people. You see, prior to becoming a new creation in Christ, I really did not like to trust people. <laughs> I loved my dog. They are the most Christ-like animal, if you think about it. <laughs> but due to whatever sinful baggage I was carrying, carrying around in my heart, I, I was cynical towards and suspicious of others. But when Jesus saved me, he profoundly changed my heart and gave me a genuine love for people that was clearly, it was a supernatural change. It could not have come from within me, but came from who now lived in me. Before Jesus, I assumed the worst in people. After Jesus, I began to assume the best. Before Jesus, I distrusted people. But after Jesus, I risked trusting them. Before Jesus, I disliked people. After Jesus, I began to love them. And although doing so has at times made me more vulnerable through betrayal, the occasional heartaches that have come have been far outweighed by the abundant joy and peace that comes from being free from those chains of cynicism, bitterness, lack of forgiveness, and distrust and dislike of others. So why do I tell you this? Well, first of all, for my law enforcement brothers and sisters who are here this morning and who know the Lord, I trust you understand the freedom of which I speak. But I also want to encourage you to stand firm, continue to put on the armor of God, you really need that, knowing that you are truly doing the Lord's work. But if there are any of my law enforcement friends here this morning who do not yet have a saving relationship with Jesus or they're not sure, I'd ask, what are you waiting for? Don't do as I did in that stubborn pride for years Stubborn pride or anything else, stand in the way. Come to Christ and experience a newfound purpose in your vocation, along with a supernatural love from, for those you serve, even those misguided, ungrateful folks who insult you. And yes, even those whom you have to hold accountable for their criminal misdeeds. But more importantly, only by being in Christ can you victoriously withstand the fiery darts of the enemy and guarantee your eternal future in God's family? We thank all of you for what you do for each and every one of us every single day. May God bless you, keep you, and protect you. Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you. Very well said today. That was good, wasn't it? I hope we each take that to heart and uh, that, that we share it with others as God gives us opportunity. Let's stand together. We'll sing a few more psalms together. And then the chaplain Stoffer will come and present God's words uh, this morning. But let's sing together.
because the ladies come up and go to the next section. Thank you. 
Thank you, ladies. What a treat that was. And as I lipped off to Dan about having notes, I was over there checking, making sure none were there. <laughs> it is a delight for us to have you first responders with us. Uh, and as the video said, uh, we love you. We're praying for you. Is not just something neat the video said. We do. We love you guys. We pray for you. Uh, we see what's going on, and uh, we bring that before our God on your behalf. Uh, what you do is special, and we appreciate you being here, giving us the privilege to love on you a little bit, give you a sandwich, and then getting to look at your equipment and what you do. Uh, so we appreciate you being here with us today. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. I could have just given Mr. Lutz another five minutes, and I think he would have covered uh, what I was going over. But Luke chapter 15, if you would, uh, what he talked about, our God is big. He's big. And we as law enforcement represent him as a vocation, as, as Dan said, as ministers of the civil government that we have. We don't bear the sword in vain. The modern sword is, is our sidearm, is our pistol. But it's very scriptural what we do. And what I want us to see this morning is just one element of who this God is. We represent him, and sometimes I think we forget. Law enforcement, first responders, fire, forget. And I think sometimes all of us do. So I'd like to take a few moments this morning and look at Luke chapter 15. Begins, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. I'll set the stage here as Jesus is teaching. He has sent, he has spent the last few chapters telling people he came to seek, as Dan said, seek and save the lost. That's why he's here. So he's ministering to lost people. And this group of publicans, tax collectors, which were very looked down upon in that day, and sinners came to hear him. They wanted to hear what this teacher had to say. So the group is around him. And verse 2, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So now you have the group of Pharisees and scribes murmuring. What does that mean? What is murmuring? Complaining. It's, it's complaining. And this complaint was so extreme, it per permeated the whole crowd. So the whole crowd is hearing this complaint, this murmur. And what was their complaint? He's eating, he's interacting with these sinners, and he shouldn't. That's what they're saying. He's spending time, he's sitting with them, he's talking with them, and that's not good. Because they're sinners. And we're Pharisees and scribes. There's an us and a them, and we're the us, and they're the them. And Jesus hears this murmuring through the crowd, and he addresses that. Verse 3, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, I'm going to stop again, you do this a lot. I've always looked at chapter 15 as three separate stories. We'll go through it. We'll read it here in a minute. There's the lost sheep, 
Then there's a lost coin, and then there's the prodigal son, the lost son. And I've always, in my mind, and maybe it's because I was taught this way or because my mind just doesn't work right all the time, I've seen that as three separate parables. But verse 3 says he spake this parable. That's a singular term. He spoke this parable. And then the rest of the chapter just flows. Talks about the lost sheep, then he talks right into the coin and right into the sun. So this is one. Now there are many, many lessons in this chapter that we will not unpack. But there's one element of it that I think Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and the scribes and us, by extension, the heart of God. You shouldn't deal with these people. You shouldn't minister to these people. They're the, they're the them. And Jesus takes this chapter to help them understand God's heart. So let's read. Verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. 
and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh into the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. Yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. I want to spend a few moments this morning and, and just draw four points of our Father's heart from this text. The first thing I would notice is he sees them as lost. He sees them as lost. What did the Pharisees call them? Sinners. Not you are living in a sinful portion of your life. You are a sinner. Mr. Let's reference the word dreg. You're a dreg of society. Yes, you are. That's who you are. That defines you. In our text, the sheep is lost. The coin is lost. The son is lost. And Kurt, does that, what, what difference does that make? Well, if I ask you, would you help me find this 12-year-old brat that left his house without his parents' permission? That paints a picture, right? What if I said, there's a 12-year-old boy that's lost, and we need to find him? Does that matter in your mind? It does, doesn't it? Well, the Pharisees see these, them of society, as sinners. Were they, were they in sin? Yes, yes, we're not disputing that. But Jesus sees them good. Do I? Do, when we minister to people, do I see them as lost? And if you would, the, the, the son, let's look at the son, the young son. When he was at home, he had a chapter of his life when he was at home with his older brother, with his dad. Then he had a chapter of life when he was, the verse says, Give me. When he asked for his inheritance, that was a horrible thing to say. Dad, I wish you were dead. I want all your stuff now. There's no neat way to paint that. That's a horrible request of that son. So he had the next chapter of life is give me. I want what I want. I want to do what I want, where I want, with who I want, when I want. Then the next chapter of life, he comes to a point where he says, he came unto himself. He came to himself. The day servants at my dad's have more than I do. I'm going to repent and go home. And now he's in another chapter of going to dad and saying, please make me one of your children. Now in law enforcement, first responders, what chapter of life do we typically get to deal with that guy? In the make me, whatever, no, no. 
We get to deal with them in the, I want what I want, when I want, how I want. And there's a responsibility we have in that role to do business. And then Mr. Lutz does his role, judge the judges, and we all have responsibilities to help that individual pay for the price of what they've chosen. And yet what I don't want us to miss is the heart of our Father. The heart is this is lost. Okay? So it might seem a small detail to you, but to me it's big. It's not they are sinners. They're living in a sinful chapter of their life, yes. But they're lost. While justice is necessary, let's not joy in the justice to the extent that we miss the heart of the Father. So point one, he's, he sees them as lost. Secondly, he seeks them diligently and thoroughly. Verse 4 is, is somewhat of a rhetorical question. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, does not seek till he finds it? They all would. Of course, you lose a sheep, you're going to go find it. Well, what's Jesus saying? I'm talking about man. I'm talking about a person. You don't think I should talk to these people? You don't think I should interact with these people? You would go find a lamb that was lost or a coin that was lost. He seeks them diligently. Verse 8, seek diligently. There's a persistence. Go till the sheep is found. Sweep the house with the coin. There's a diligence and a thoroughness with our Father's heart seeking these lost. And verse 20, the father saw this son went a great way off. How did that happen? He was looking. He was looking. He ran. Jewish dads did not do that. Our father does. That's our father's heart toward the Lord. He ran. And then we have another one in this parable introduced. Uh, the older brother. He did not have the father's heart either, did he? And what was the father doing in his life? Verse 25 and, and 28. He went out. I'm not going into the house because I hear the music and the dancing. The dad left. And he went out. Son. He implored his son, entreated him to join the celebration in the household. He tenderly explained the situation and communicated the appropriateness of the event. Our Lord's heart for these souls is that they're sought till they're found. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us toward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is this how I look at the people of Israel? Is this how I look at my own life? Diligently and thoroughly seek their salvation. Point three, he cares for them with a tenderness. If you're that shepherd, I don't know, I've never been to the Holy Land, but there's mountains, there's valleys, there's deserts, 
if I find this sheep, this little flea-bitten, stupid critter that I had to wander over hill and dale to get, I finally get it. We're going to have a little moment, aren't we? What did the shepherd do? Remember, he put it on his shoulder. I'd have thrown that critter in a sack and it would have thought different till we got back to the fold. But that's not my Lord. It's not. He found that sheep and tenderly, tenderly cared for it. What about the, the lost son, the young son that came back? From a long way off, he saw him. He ran and kissed him. There's, there's affection there. There's tenderness there. There's an embrace with him. About his bowels yearned for that boy. Where were, we, where were we told the son was most recently? Before he came home? In a pig pen. Racing to embrace and hug that lad probably wouldn't have been how I would have handled it, but that is our God, folks. He didn't get cleaned up. He didn't get smelling pretty. The Father's heart was, He's repented. He is humble and He is turning back. I cannot wait for that. Is that my heart? And again, we can't, as, as law enforcement, you got to do what you got to do in the moment. I get that. We do. They need arrested. They need what needs to happen. But is our heart joying in that? Or are we doing what needs to be done? Keeping ourselves safe, absolutely. But longing for that stupid sheep to one day be found. Our Lord is with a tenderness. The older brother. Was the father tender toward him? Son, you've had you have everything. You have every advantage you could have. And yet you still don't have my heart. But there wasn't a harshness. There wasn't a fierce rebuke. There was a tenderness even with that older brother. And again, Jesus is teaching these Pharisees, you're thinking about these people all wrong. All wrong. You're rebuking me? For talking to you, here's, here's what God's heart looks like. And it's very different than yours. And then fourthly, he rejoices with their restoration. Through rejoicing. That word is throughout. Rejoice, rejoice in heaven when one sinner repenteth. Uh, a sheep is found, there's joy. Nine and ten, rejoice with me. There's joy in the presence of angels. Verse 23 through 27, be merry, be merry, music, dancing, kill the fatted calf. That was set aside for celebrations. That's our Father's heart when a wayward one returns. All of these examples are given for us to see the joyful heart of our Father when one that is lost is found. Does this describe my heart? Do I look with joyful anticipation at one wayward soul being found? Or do I continue to see them as 
them and not us. A few notes as we close. One of the... Our Father's heart toward the lost is joy and love when they come. Does he separate the why they're lost? Why was the sheep lost? When they're stupid as all get out. Curious, careless, wandering around, inquisitive. And again, think of this as people. This person is lost because they're curious, they're careless, they're inquisitive, and before long they turn around and think, "How did I, I'm lost, how did I get here? But you're there. The coin, what did it do to get lost? It didn't do anything. It was the result of the influence and the actions of others that mistreated it, and here it, it's lost. Why was the young son lost? Because he chose full bore to be lost. I'm going to rebel as hard as I can go. The older brother, he didn't need any of this. The father's heart to all of those is I would that you'd come. Whether you're lost just because you're careless, and you're sloppy, and here I am? Or you're lost because you are a thick-headed, determined sinner. Our Father wants you to come home. And as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the sheep, the lost sheep, got found. The coin got found. That younger brother that was wild and sinful, he was found. What about the older brother? Well, let's look at verse 33. <laughs> there ain't a verse 33. And that's one of the points I love. There's not. Jesus, I believe here, is asking the Pharisees, you write, verse 33. You're the older brother. You've been privy to all of what God wants, His laws, His requirements, His heart. You of all people should know, but you don't. So older brother, Pharisees, how does the story end? And so I would ask us, how does, how does the story end? Are you that lost sheep that was found? Or are you still the lost sheep? Are you the lost coin that's still lost or was found? Are you the young brother or the older brother? We get to write that last verse. Sadly, we know how the Pharisees wrote it. Don't we? They killed him. They would hear no more of it. They chose to die in their rebellion. And we deal with people who choose to never be found. But 
the heart of my Father. The heart of our God is that they would be healed. So I would encourage us. I would encourage our first responders. We have to do what we have to do. And we're, when we're dealing with those in the midst of the give me, serve me, I want what I want, we have to do what needs done. But in the back of our mind, let's remind ourselves our, the heart of our God is not fiercely thrilled with the justice, but he's merciful and pure. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that each of us can see ourselves in this text somewhere. And we thank you for preserving this portion for us to see your heart, for us, Lord, to be challenged in our own lives that we would rightly represent you as we have the privilege not only to minister to others and to ex ex expose your heart to them, but, Lord, also to recognize your heart toward me. We thank you for this time. We thank you for our dear friends being here with us today. And pray, Lord, you would be honored in Christ's name. Let's stand together for a moment, if you will, your head bowed and your eyes closed. And we do that just to give you a moment to focus on God, his spirit, his voice through you today. Appreciate all those who shared scripture today and food from the Lord. Trust that it's resonated in your heart as it has mine. With head bowed and eyes closed, may I ask you just a couple of questions today. And again, I do that only to facilitate that conversation I trust is going on between you and God, the God who loves you, the God who longs to not only reveal your lostness or your wandering, but to find you and to restore you and renew you, to save you. Would there be one or more here today in this assembly that would say, Pastor, as a guest or regular here this morning, I've yet to be found. I've yet to admit that I'm lost and that I need found by Christ, the only one who died on a cross and was buried and especially the only one that was risen from the grave and has offered to me forgiveness of sin. You know, Prosecutor Lutz and Chaplain Stauffer and Brother Studer and others have mentioned this morning you that's resonated in your heart. You've yet to have that moment of being found as they each have done. Each of us must. When you let me pray for you today, God would help you to understand, to understand that need and the willingness to share that need and talk further with someone about that before you leave today. Would there be one or more with a raised hand that would let me pray for you today? I'd be honored to do that. Not sure of salvation, but you'd let me pray for you today. If that's you, can I encourage you in a moment when we sing a verse of song, we'd invite you to come. You can come here to the front. We'd love to take the Bible and share from it. Now you can know Jesus as your Savior. You can find us afterwards today. We invite you to come just as you are. Christian, how about it today? Where are you at in relationship to God and specifically this spirit that we see in Luke 15? Have you forgotten that you're only where you're at because somebody found you? Somebody worked in your life and in your heart and that someone is Jesus? And what's your spirit and attitude toward others around you? Are you letting the world burn? Are you letting the world self-destruct and the people it impacts to become just object, objects and depersonalized? We don't see the needs and the broken hearts and homes and the grace and mercy of God, what it could do. 
that could flow through us to those around us. Who today would say, Pastor, in some of your God's challenged me with this text, and I, I'm not sure what verse 33 is right now, but I know what God wants it to be. Would you pray for me? God would help me to live in light of what we've looked at today. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, God's spoken, and I yield to that, I submit to that today. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Lord, thank you for challenging my heart, my mind, my demeanor toward this world around me. Pray the same for each that's indicated you've stirred. Help us, Lord, to change this world, to impact this world, one, one heart, one life, one moment at a time by having this sweet spirit. Bless now this invitation. Be honored in it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing a verse of song. If God has spoken, we invite you to come. Let's sing. Just as I be seated for just a moment. Can I give you a few moments there with the Lord? We just call this our Selah moment where we just just take a moment, talk to God there through prayer. He hears the cry of your heart. He hears the burden that's on your mind today. Give you just a moment. Would you surrender to his voice, to his application of his word today? Give you a moment there with the Lord.
just a minute, our kids' choir is going to come sing and one with a couple of songs and some prayer and then dismissal today. Um, just a couple of things by way of announcement this morning. Uh, first of all, if you will, those of you who are part of our 55-plus uh, gatherings and luncheons, uh, we've been hosting that on Wednesday mornings uh, at 1030, the first Wednesday of the month. We're shifting a, a bit in relation to uh, the holiday schedule in November and December, so next week we'll give you more details, but there will not be a gathering this Wednesday in lieu of those that are pending, and we'll give you more details as uh, it gets a little bit closer. Um, secondly, if you're here for the first time today, it's our honor to have you with us. I trust that uh, you received a welcome packet. If you did not, uh, let me know, and I'll hunt that person down. But uh, in front of you is a connection card. You can also grab one there. We'd ask you to fill out the front side of that card. We'd love to have a record of your visit. When you leave today, you can put that in the offering plate that you'll see there. The guys will be holding at the uh, exits today. So I invite you to do that. We're glad you're here today. Next Sunday morning, we're starting a new series called The Word on Worship, looking at what the Bible says about worship, not what you feel and think or what I feel and think. So we're looking forward to that series. Uh, through the month of November, so I invite you back next Sunday morning at 1030 for that. And then the last thing would be, as soon as we're done here with the service, we're going to be dismissing to um, the lobby and to the outside for our luncheon together. Uh, and just a couple of words and instruction about that. Um, uh, first of all, we will still have our coffee counter open, so if you'd like to stop by and get a cup of coffee, you can do that if that keeps you warm while you're walking around outside. Um, secondly, the serving tables will be outside, so you can go out through the central lobby, hang a left. So the back side of our building is where all the fun is going to happen today. Um, and so you go out to the left, and then you walk down and get the food. There will be quite a bit of seating inside, so we would invite you to be a part of that. You're not going to hear anything I say now, are you? I told Miss Brandy she could do this, so this isn't her fault. Um, I'm talking about food. Stick with me here, okay? Uh, there will be quite a bit of seating in our classroom wing, so you can sit inside or walk outside and stand. Um, in a moment, we will dismiss those of you who are first responders. Don't be bashful about that. We want to get you to food. So then if you did bring a vehicle and you're willing to let our young people and maybe a few of us young at heart uh, interact with that a bit, we'd appreciate you dismissed in just a moment. So if you'll follow me out at the end, I'll give you another cue on that. Uh, and then also... Uh, if you would like to, to, to see the, the vehicles, they'll be in the south lower parking lot. So behind the building, we have a few cruisers and other things that will be out there. So I invite you to take your kids out, take your kids with you to that uh, after you eat. Did any of you hear the last minute of what I just said? Okay, that's what I thought. All right, our kids are going to sing a couple of songs for us, and then we're going to pray over the first responders in our meal, and we'll stand and end with a congregational song. But here are our kids today. I hope this will be a blessing to you. Out of young lips, I trust these words and lyrics will be a blessing to you.
strong in the Lord and the power of his might. For in the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, and with ye shall be able to put all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God.